The book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and this morning I'm going to preach from this same chapter uh, that we've been in the last couple of weeks. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that the Lord just impressed upon my heart uh, to preach on the subject of giving. And I, I said then, I said it last week, I believe as well, I'll say it again, and uh, this, it was, in some sense, it was kind of uh, not understanding why he would have me uh, preach on this subject, but it's also a good time for me to preach on this subject because uh, I'm preaching to a giving people. Um, our church is a giving church. Uh, we give to a lot of different things. We're giving to missions, not just our operating budget, our tithes, our offerings, but a lot of different things. And, and I brag on you on the time because of your faithful giving. But I believe these are some things that God would remind us of and even prepare us uh, for some things into the future. Um, a lot of times we come into the house of God and it's like, I, God, I got to have something for today. And God gives us that, that, that we need just for today. But many times God prepares his church for something that's down the line as well. And perhaps uh, this is one of those messages this morning. And uh, I have a, a couple of more uh, prepared. I don't know if I'll continue next Sunday morning. Uh, so you can come back. I may not preach on giving next week. But uh, uh, these are the three specific messages that God put on my heart uh, when he put that on my heart. And so we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'm going to read the first six verses of this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, beginning with verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, we do, you, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves." Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. This morning I'm going to preach a message entitled, Giving While in Difficult Times. Giving while in difficult times, another title for this would be the Macedonian example. And so I want you to listen to me this morning. Uh, if you are a faithful giver to the Lord, I won't, don't want you to turn me off. I want you to listen to me. If you're not giving as you should, I want you to listen to me. If you're saved this morning, I want you to listen to me. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I certainly want you to listen to me this morning. And let's allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word. May the Spirit of God... Uh, help us today, may you instruct us, may we yield ourselves to you. We're going to be reminded once again uh, that what you want from us is a complete surrender to you. And Father, I thank you for salvation, I thank you for Jesus and what he did for all of us on the cross of Calvary. There's one unsaved this morning, or yet their faith and trust is in another. May the Spirit of God work in their heart even today, and may they realize their need of a Savior, may they put their faith and trust in Christ forgiveness of their sins. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a passage of scripture, this entire chapter, but certainly the verses we'll look at this morning. There's a lot of instruction in these six verses. There's a lot of example in these first six verses, which means there should be some conviction on us in these first six verses. We find in 
verse number 1, the churches of the Macedonia is who Paul is referencing. These churches that had been started, these churches that were uh, moving forward for the cause of Christ, we find a little bit about their condition in verse number 2. How that in a great trial of affliction. Well, that doesn't sound like the time to take a special offering, does it? In a great trial of affliction. The Bible goes on to say the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Their deep poverty. The pastor, this just doesn't set well with me that people who are going through an affliction and people who are in deep poverty, here we have a story of how they're giving to the Apostle Paul so that he can send it with Titus and distribute to the other churches. This is hard for me to understand. And friend, I must remind you uh, that God takes care of all of his children. God takes care of all of his people. What I mean by that more than the gift that they gave or the people doing the giving. And they're going to learn some things from these churches that certainly we ought to try and we ought to aspire to have them in our own life. They were obviously in affliction. They were being afflicted. Uh, There were times when it was not popular to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, These were churches that faced opposition. They they faced persecution. There was deep poverty. They did not have great means out of which to give. And by the way, I believe God preserves this for you and I for one reason. Sometimes uh, we don't have much to give and we use as an excuse of why we can't give something to the Lord. God wants all of us to have a part of what God has given him. Let me say this, we may never be caught on to sacrifice like the Macedonian churches, but we should be willing to sacrifice as they did if we are called on. We may never, as a church, be called on and say we're in great affliction, deep poverty, because we do live in a land of plenty, don't we? God's been very, very good to us. But if we ever are called on, to make these sacrifices for the cause of Christ, we should be willing to sacrifice as they did. There's some observations I'll make before I get into the outline this morning that are important for us to see. In verse number 1, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. That word wit, there's not a, uh, not, not a word that's used often, but it was a, it was a they, they desired for there to be a for them to have the knowledge of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia because of their giving out of their deep poverty out of their affliction it gave testimony to the grace of God we say as Christians oftentimes i want God to get the honor and the glory for what he does in my life and you should want God to get the honor and the glory. Well, there's a testimony of the grace of God, the ability beyond themselves. Every Christian, every, every child of God needs to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. God wants you to live beyond yourself. God wants you to do for Him beyond what you're capable of doing. Everybody in this room has a measure of ability What is also true is everybody in this room has a limit in their ability. We have a limit in our time. You may have a limit in your health. You may have a limit in your opportunity, but God, through His grace, 
that he will bestow. See, that's the secret. We look at this on the surface and we say, why would God compel a church or churches to give out of affliction, to give out of deep poverty? He bestowed the grace of God on them, which enabled them to give beyond themselves. Many Christians in every area of your life, giving aside, but every year of their life, we want to live in a certain way where it takes us all the way to our ability. I'm reminded of the, the same man who, who authored this book, and he writes about the, the thorn that he asked God to remove, and God finally said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee, meaning I will give you grace, I will empower you beyond your ability. Thus is true of the giving of these churches. So how did this take place? It required certainly a reevaluation of their priorities. We live in a nation that God has blessed. But I'm afraid that the dollar bill sits on the throne of the United States of America. It's all about the dollar bill. The American dream has replaced the will of God. And in order for us to have this kind of grace and heart, it requires a reevaluation of our priorities. There must be an eternal view this morning. Every one of us, when it comes to our soul, must look at it from the perspective of eternity. Have we done what is necessary so that our sins have been forgiven? We have a eternal home in heaven. We are a child of God. There must be, when it comes to your soul, you must think beyond this life, what is going to happen after I die? We must give an account of our soul. Have we done what this Bible tells us we must do and go through the Lord Jesus Christ to be reconciled to our God? But when it comes to our living as a child of God, our living, we must think beyond our life and what is going to, what my life is going to mean when I take that last breath? There must be a require a reevaluation of priorities. So I'll warn you before we get to the outline this morning if you and I are going to follow this example, you may have to reevaluate what's the most important thing to you. Is it the cause of Christ or is our wants, wishes, and desires? Let me take, let me, let's point out, let me point out some things. Let's notice some things about this Macedonian example and that'll help us apply these things in our life. Number one, they were willing of themselves. Look at verse number three. For their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. We spent some time on this a couple of weeks ago, but I remind you today that you and I must first fully surrender ourselves to God. Does God have every bit of you? Or are you holding something back on God? It's often, I heard, I've heard the illustration when I was a child, and I've certainly heard it more than once, and illustration a preacher uses of, you know, there's a, there's a key ring, and the illustration is that every key on this, I've given God in, in the keys or unlock different parts of, of, of me and my life, and I've given key, God the key ring, and, but I've just kept one key. And I've given God everything else, and why can't I just have this? Well, what does God want? He wants the one thing you're holding on to. 
Because he wants us to be fully surrendered to him. Is your schedule fully surrendered to him? Are your relationships fully surrendered to him? Is your abilities and your talents fully surrendered to him? Are your desires, your dreams, are they fully surrendered to him? Are your thoughts surrendered to him? Are your children, have you surrendered them to him? Well, it's a question that all of us must answer. Because before we get to giving out of our poverty, they were willing of themselves. In other words, they didn't want to wait for somebody else to do it. Can we be honest this morning? I'm going to try and be anyway. Many times as Christians, we hear of needs, we hear of opportunities for the cause of Christ, and we sit around and we say, well, somebody else can do that. Well, 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 Pastor, I, I know that you presented this need, but I'm already given to A, B, and C. Thank the Lord for that. If God doesn't, and that's all God impresses upon you to do, that's all you do. But the first thoughts in our mind should not be somebody else can do that. Pastor, why doesn't somebody else, somebody other church take that? Well, the simple answer is it might be something God wants me to do. It might be something God wants you to do. It might be something God wants our church to do. They did not sit around with a mindset of, well, I'll let somebody else take care of that. It's all, you know, I use this illustration all the time. It's like, somebody comes marching in, Pastor, the, the restroom is horrible. I just want to let you know. In other words, I'm going to let you know so you can get somebody else to take care of that. Well, it's their job. Oh, that's what it is now? Well, the point I'm making is, nobody said that to me, they, so I'm assuming they're fine, but anyway. The point I'm making is we must fully surrender ourselves to him. They were willing of themselves. They didn't sit around and look for somebody else to do it. Or say, so, Pastor needs a volunteer. And I talked about it in Sunday school this morning. We need volunteers for to, to, to turn the food in. We need volunteers for the, the nursery. We need volunteers for to help clean during the week of the conference when we have all these different groups and pastors coming in as a way to serve. And the, the other 11 months out of the year, we're talking about, well, I wish there's something more that I can do. Then it's like, hey, we need, we need help in this area. And we go and we look at the list. I say, it's almost full if I hold out a little bit longer. If I hold out a little bit longer. I mean, there's this many slots for the nursery. and There's this many ladies. Maybe if I hold out a little bit longer. Then you go running back there. Oh, it's all full. Maybe next year. The point I'm making is we should be willing of ourselves. I'm not asking you to do anything that you're not capable of doing, but we must first offer ourselves to be able to do it. Many Christians cannot understand this level of sacrifice because they simply have not fully surrendered to God. Let me notice number two. Well, this one, they all, these, all of these speak to my heart, but this one really speaks to my heart this morning. Look at me, verse number two. How that in a great trial of, of affliction, we know they're in a great trial. There's affliction. We've already seen the words deep poverty, but notice how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Let me explain to you what that means. Number two, I see this morning, 
What God asked of them was not a burden, but a joy. Other churches were, were, were better off. They weren't in a great affliction. Maybe not as great affliction as they were in. Maybe there were some others who wouldn't be considered in deep poverty. But what God asked of them was not a burden, but joy. It's kind of like God asked each Christian to bear different burdens. Well, I don't understand why my situation couldn't be this way, or my health couldn't be this way, or my circumstances couldn't be this way. It's about time we as God's people look at the life that God has given us, and if God asks me to bear a burden, it shouldn't be a burden to me. It ought to be a joy. I get to do this for God. I get to do this for Him. I get to do this to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. Maybe my sacrifice helps the cause of Christ go forward a little bit. Maybe the burden that God allows me to bear will be a help and an encouragement to somebody else. Maybe it'll give me more power when I pray. Maybe it'll give me a more effective witness. Maybe it'll give me a better testimony in this world. And too many times, we as God's God's people, we look at the things that God places upon us as a burden. I've got to do this today. Oh, it's Sunday. I've... I've got to go down. I've got to serve at the church. I've got to sing in the choir. Whatever it may be. Oh, I know. Pastor's going to emphasize giving again. Think about this. They're in deep poverty. Affliction. Notice we see those words. If you, if you read the Bible like the average person, you look at verse number two. The words that jump, there's some words that jump off that page, don't they? Affliction. I, I don't want affliction. Deep poverty. You know, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be in deep poverty. So my dreams for you one day is for you to be in deep poverty. No, 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 no. And most of us in the United States of America don't understand deep poverty. They were in deep poverty. We notice the word affliction. We notice the words deep poverty. We overlook that simple three-letter word, joy. What would cause a group of people to sacrifice when they're being afflicted, when they're in deep poverty? Joy. It was their... The abundance of their joy in their deep poverty abounded the, 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 reach, the riches of their liberality. It was the joy of serving God. It was the joy that God would allow us to do this. See, there's a lot of Christians who've lost the joy of what it means to serve God. And serving God's become a burden to you instead of a joy. Remember when you first started serving? This, today's the day that, I, that I'm a helper in this class. Today's the day I get to keep the nursery. Today's the day I sing in the choir. Today's the day pastor said he would let me vacuum during the conference. Can you believe it? Kids, gather around. We're serving the Lord. And now it's like, well, it's not just enough that I show up to that place. Has your service become a burden? Has your financial commitments become a burden instead of a joy? 
Instead of, I get to do this for God? God would allow me, God would place circumstances in my life that would force me to just keep my focus on Him? They didn't give out of the abundance of their wealth. They gave out of their abundance of their joy. Because their joy was the Lord. There's too many Christians, your joy is in other things. That's why you got to hang on to them so tightly. Because that's where your joy is. Well, if God took all that from me, I just don't know if I'd be happy. Where's your joy at? And be careful making statements like that as well. Well, where's the, where was my joy? They, they, they gave, most, we, we get stuck on that deep poverty, and I've got to have, but they gave out of their joy. It, this, these churches, this group of Christians, the joy of giving as God asked of them, contribute, them contributing to the work of God, that was their joy. I have a part in what God's doing. That's a joy. Think about this as God's children. We can have a part in His work. That will be our joy. And the day I get to serve the Lord, that will be our joy. This group of people, it was a joy for them to just be able to attend church. We haven't faced the kind of affliction that these people have faced and the persecutions. And there are still people, there are Christians all over this planet that they'll meet today in fear of death. In great, but you know what it was? We get to be together. It's joy. It was a joy to pray. It was a joy to fellowship. It was a joy to separate. It was a joy to pursue holiness. It was a joy to be a witness. It was a joy to edifying the saints. It was a joy to, to obeying uh, the, the scriptures. That was their joy. Many Christians today, the only joy they get is when the pastor finishes before 12. That's the joy. Man, it was good today, wasn't it? But Christian, where is your joy? Do you serve him out of the joy? Do you give out of the joy? Do you sacrifice out of the joy? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a burden. It wasn't a burden to them. And when, if the word sacrifice was used to them, they'd be like, what are you talking about? We get to do this for God. We get to do this for his cause. We haven't forgotten what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and paid for our sins and he rose victorious three days later and, and we know that he's coming again and he gave us that commission to, to go into this world and these people were excited in Macedonia that somebody came and gave them the gospel and told them about Christ and formulated a little church so they would have a place to serve God and to grow and we get to contribute to something that God is doing? Boy, that offering plate being passed looks a whole lot different when you're giving out of your joy. Those sign-up lists look a lot different when you're serving out of joy. We need a revival of the joy of serving God. The joy of just being able to contribute to what God is doing. But you know what gets in the way of joy is our pride. Uh, 
That's to that's be, below me. Well, that's just some, not something that I would like to do. Well, I remember when you were just excited to do something for God. Well, they gave out their they gave out their joy. What God asked of them was not a burden, but a joy. We ought to have, we have a, we, it shouldn't be a burden for us to carry the things that God has asked of us to carry. It shouldn't be a burden for us to do the things that God, the opportunities God presents. That takes me to number three. We're going to be at verse number three. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power. They are willing of themselves. I notice this with number three. They gave what they could, and God gave what they couldn't. There's too many Christians that when a vision or an opportunity or a need is presented, all they want to focus on is what they can't do. Do you realize that God has never asked you to do anything that you can't do? And even us as a church, and, and you've responded very well through the years in the in the, in the building program and the missions programs and all of these different ministries. And, and well, we, we can't do that. God's not asking you to do what he can do. He's asking you to do what you can do. Well, I, 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 can't, I can't, you can apply this in so many different ways. Well, I can't get the rest of my family to come to church. You can come. You do what you can do and then let God do what you can't. Well, Pastor, are we really going to reach Jacksonville with the gospel? We'll do what we can do, and then we'll let God do what he can do. Pastor, are we really going to get all of these, these buildings built? Hey, we'll do what we can do, and God will do what only he can do. These Macedonian Christians, notice what the Bible says, for to their power I bear record. They gave out of the power they had. Let me tell you something, friend. You, I don't know the exact amount, but you can draw some conclusions about how little it was when they're giving out of deep poverty. They're not starting with a lot. But they gave everything they could. And then it means, Paul is saying, they gave their own power. And I believe this is what Paul's saying. What I have in my possession right now is more than they gave Meaning by the time they gave and it got to me, God had already added beyond their power. God had already given more than they even had. They gave what they could and they, and God gave what they couldn't. Friend, that's a great principle right there. This is what we do as Christians. Everybody with me this morning, this is what we do. We say, well, God, you give first. And then I'll give. Because then we know how little we need to give. Because God is capable of taking care of all of it. But then what joy would we have? What part would we have in it? And God says, no, you give out of your joy. And I'll give what you can't give. You realize the needs we have at a church? Everybody, in this, The people in this room can take care of it. And God uses the people in this room to take care of it. You know, I did, you know, and this, and this is why, I, you know, and this is, I'm not scolding you this morning at all. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that we're always surrendered to God because this is a giving church. Offerings are up. Giving is up. Everything is up. 
And then when, our, when we have our books audited or, or, or we, 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 do, we, we do deal with the bank with financing and they look at our attendance and they look at the numbers and they, they say, are you sure this is accurate because this many people gives this much money? This is a giving church. What, what, I, what, what I'm preaching is a testimony to, the, to what I'm talking about this morning, the fact that we, if we took our, our bottom line of everybody this morning, what is being given is far beyond that. Because we as a church, we give what we can. And then God gives what we can't. Mom and dad, in your home, you give what you can to your family. God will give what you can't. But you got to do your part first. In every area of our life, whatever we can't do, God will make up the difference. But we must first... How do, Pastor, how do you do that? It comes with the first thing I said. They were willing of themselves. They were willing to do it themselves. Well, I can't meet all that need, but here's what I can do. Believing that God could take care of the rest, and even if God didn't, at least I did what I could do for the cause of Christ. It came out of their joy, and it comes to number four, and finally this morning. We look at verse number four. Praying us with much entreaty. That we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints before they gave out a conviction. Paul did not solicit them for an offering. They solicited Paul to take their offering. Now, no doubt they knew of the needs because they gave towards the needs. But the tendency of the Apostle Paul is why he writes this, and if you follow the rest of the chapter, he's going to talk about the accountability of the, of the money, who's got it, and where it's going, and what it's supposed to do, and it's all coming from these Macedonian churches. And he is writing that they gave this out of conviction, meaning this is what God told them to do. They gave out of their joy. That word entreaties, that urgent prayer. It was Paul, please take this. There had to be, if you study the ministry of the Apostle Paul and the compassion he felt towards his ministry companions and to the people and all of that, I can imagine Paul saying, I'm aware of your poverty. I'm aware of your afflictions and, and I'm aware of these things. No, Paul, we pray, please take this offering because the cause of Christ has to go forward. Those churches have to be planted. There's other Christians who have needs as well. They have to be met. They, that entreaty means insistence. We insist you take this. They were mobilized in their giving just upon hearing the need. You know why? Because they gave out their joy. You know why they gave out their joy? Because they gave of themselves. And in verse number four, and take upon us, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, Paul was going to receive and he was going to be one that would 
distribute and he would be part of the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. But what they're saying is, don't rob us of our blessing. Of being able to participate in the ministry of the fellowship of the saints. That's why I'll, I'll use a word that makes Baptists nervous sometimes. The word tithe. It's the same percentage whether you're rich or poor. It's the offering. What does God impress upon you? We took our commitments more than a year ago, approaching two years now, of giving towards the, the, the building and the facilities. And I made a very strong emphasis, and I believe my whole heart, it doesn't matter what, how big or how little you can give, everybody in our church ought to be able to have a part and should want to have a part in it. And I thank God for the generosity of many, of all. But some even beyond their commitment, God has enabled you. And you've, you've obeyed. But I thank God for every child who every service robs your pockets, robs your purses and comes up here and puts the coins in this jug so that they can have a part in what God is doing. And you know what I've discovered as I watch this? A lot of them are happier about that than some of you are when an offering plate goes by. We say, Pastor, they got that money for me to put it up there. That will be a goal. They don't understand it all. They take those few pennies and those few dollars, and I'm, some of y'all need to start carrying less cash because I see a lot of dollar bills in that. And they put it in there. They're happy about it. Would, be, would we be as excited to give to God as a child? It's a joy. We give out our joy. They give out their conviction. Well, I'm thankful for the examples I've had in my life and for generations when it's come to giving to the things of God. We don't have to do this. We get to do this for God. We get to have a part. It's a great day in the life of a child of God when they get to the place. It's what can I do for God today? Or not what is going to be expected of me? It's a dangerous place for a servant of God. Teach that place of teaching that Sunday school class to serve in that place of ministry. No matter how visible it is or how visible it's not to get to a place where it's like, what more is going to be expected of me? But what do I get to do for God? I'll conclude with this so some of you can have some joy. We'll be out before 12. Verse number 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us 
by the will of God. Were there other churches that had more than these Macedonian churches financially? Certainly. There were other churches and God used them as well. God used their ability to give as well. But if I was the Apostle Paul and I was praying and looking for where God could provide the means for God's work to go forward, I don't think I would have started with the churches that own their church sign. Macedonia Baptist Church. Was it Baptist? Absolutely. Macedonia Baptist Church. Independent, fundamental, afflicted, and in deep poverty. Join us today for services. I don't think I ought to look there first. They gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. God impressed upon them. They obeyed God's leading. They gave what they could. God gave what they couldn't give. And it was the and they were in the will of God by doing it. So they did to what extent did these sacrifices go? I don't know to what extent they went, but I just know there were sacrifices. But they didn't look at it as sacrifices. You know, maybe many of you are, are past this, and many of you are uh, experiencing it, and I've experienced it, and in in, in not to the extent of others. And you know, you have that when the children are little, they don't understand all that mom and dad does for them. They grow up and they're teenagers, and it's like they don't understand what mom and dad's trying to do for them. And it's like you just don't want me to have any fun. Apparently, you've heard that too, since the response like that. Oh, but you know, but then when your child leaves home and begins their new life and they start to get a realization, they say, thank you for everything that you did that I didn't always realize that you did. They begin to understand the joy in the sacrifice. Well, I would hope that every man here would be able to join me when I say, when I provide for my family, it's not a sacrifice to me. It's a duty, a responsibility, but it's a joy. It's a joy to provide for my family. It's a joy to go beyond what a, a roof over their head, clothes on their back, food in their belly. It's a joy to go beyond that. It's a joy to do for my wife of 27 years. I'm going to give her a hard time about it, but it's a joy to do. It's a joy as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church so many times and I 
I fuss at you sometimes when you do it to me, and sometimes I don't, but I want to. It's like, well, Pastor, I didn't want to bother you. Pastor, it's just I know that it puts you out. No, it's a joy for me to serve you. Would be to God that we would have that same mindset when it came to what God asked of us. Well, he didn't ask it of that church. We're not that church. This is what God's asked of us. Because God, he is the head of it all. And he knows what he wants from this church and this people and this people. And he knows what he wants from us. And it's the will of God for us to do it. Pastor, why do, why, why do we need to give? Because God's placed that in our heart and God has given us the opportunity. Then it comes down inside the church and the different homes. And, but why, how come God didn't ask that of them? But he, no, he asked it of you. It's the will of God for you. It is what God wants of you. And we ought to serve him with joy. This is what God has brought to our home. This is what God has brought to my life. And it's not a burden to me. It's a joy. That I get to do it for him. Giving in difficult times is about the heart, the surrender. It's about the willingness. How are those afflicted churches going to meet the needs? They're not going to meet the needs. God's going to meet the needs. But they get the blessings because they didn't wait around for somebody else to do it. They said, let me do it. Let us do it. Let us have a part. And friend, it was the will of God for them. Oh, make sure that you're surrendered. Your heart is surrendered to him. Your life is surrendered to him. If the Spirit of God is impressing upon you at this moment in an area of your life, maybe you know it, maybe you're conscious of it, or maybe he's impressing an area of your life right now that's might taking you a little bit by surprise that you haven't fully surrendered to him. Surrender that to him today. Make yourself available. Don't get the mindset of, well, why, what's expected? No, what do we get to do for God? We can't say on the one side, we know we're in the last days. We know Christ is going to re- return soon. And, and I believe that. So we can't turn around and say, well, we'll just wait for somebody else. And no, if he's coming, there's more to expect of us. There's more we must do for him. And with joy, we give ourselves. With joy, we offer, not a burden. Friend, this morning, if you find it hard to comprehend what I'm preaching, because you've never trusted Christ, that's the first thing you need to do. It's the most important thing you need to do. When it comes to your eternal soul, getting your salvation settled, May we follow the leading of the Spirit today. Father, I pray that you would use the message.